Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? UVX 10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's EUFY.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all in one robot vacuum for only $799. And welcome back. So you know that uh, we're supposed to be spending a third of our life sleeping and that the worst thing you could possibly do to somebody, uh, literally, in terms of torture, is to deprive them of sleep. It is something that the human body needs, desperately craves. And the studies have come out that people that suffer from chronic insomnia are more likely to get Alzheimer's disease, that the fact is we know that there's some magic repairing of cells that goes on while we're in a sleep, and that we need not only to sleep, but we need to have a certain kind of deep sleep, a REM sleep, Uh, not to mention the fact that many of us spend a lot of our waking hours trying to figure out what it is our dreams are trying to tell us, what it is our unconscious, our subconscious is trying to tell us to give us messages about our lives during the rest of the time. Sleep is magical. It is mysterious. It is widely misunderstood and not understood. And joining us right now is Kenneth Miller, who has um, written a book called Mapping the Darkness and talking about the visionary scientists who unlock the mysteries of sleep. Uh, He wrote a New York Times op-ed on October 2nd, which I thought was riveting. Kenneth Miller, welcome to the Lisa Wexer Show today. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. So the mysteries of sleep, it is a vast mystery, isn't it? Uh, it is. It remains so after you know more than a century of, of study. Uh, people haven't figured it quite figured it out. But we know that we must have it, and we estimate we need about a third of our overall time, right? More or less eight hours to be able to. Be uh, yeah, sleeping. you know, between seven and nine for most people. Yeah, yeah. I have to sleep seven. I have to sleep from twelve to seven, or eleven to six, or something like that. If I get that eighth hour, it's even more delicious. Past eight, I'm up anyway. I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be sleeping most of the time. And, right, and, same here. And what is it, Kenneth Miller? What do we know that is the most important reason why we must sleep? 
Well, that's very interesting. One famous sleep scientist, William DeMent, said we sleep to avoid being sleepy, uh, which sounds kind of silly, but it's, but it's really true because, you know, one thing we know for sure is that if we don't get enough of it, we don't perform very well. We don't remember things as well. We don't learn as well. Our emotions are out of control. And over a long period of time, we start developing physical problems, which can range from, you know, diabetes to, as you mentioned, uh, Alzheimer's disease, physical and, and cognitive and mental health problems. How does diabetes relate to sleep? That's a new one for me. Well, one of the things that your body and brain do during the time you're sleeping is to rebalance your hormones, uh, your endocrine system. Uh, there's a big reset that goes on, and scientists have figured out that your your hormones, uh, you know, have a 24-hour cycle uh, during which they dip and rise, uh, and it's very closely tied to to sleep, and not only to sleep, but different stages of sleep. And tell me about that. Tell me about the the sleep where your eyes are blinking or the sleep where you might be talking in your sleep versus different sleep. Yeah, so there are... Basically, there's there's four main stages of sleep, but they're divided in in half really, uh, because the the main categories are REM sleep and non-REM sleep. So REM sleep is that period where REM stands for rapid eye movement, uh, and that was discovered in 1953 by a guy named Eugene Asarinsky, uh, and he started out by studying his son. He was looking at what he just wanted to look all night at what what the eyes were doing during sleep and also measure brain waves at the same time and see what he came up with. What it turned out when he looked at his uh, eight-year-old son, Armand, uh, was that periodically during the night, Armand's eyes were jerking around uh, rapidly back and forth as if he was watching a tennis match or something. And at the same time, his brain waves were making patterns that resembled waking. Uh, And he said, what is going on here? And that launched the whole field of study, uh, which found that there's this uh, period of REM sleep, which one scientist said was as different from regular sleep as sleep is from waking. Uh, your, Your brain is very alert. Your eyes are moving around. Your body is paralyzed to keep you from acting out your dreams. Uh, And during that time, the brain is doing stuff that we're still trying to figure out in terms of conserving memories, in terms of weeding out unnecessary memories, stuff like that. So that's REM. Then during non-REM sleep is when your body goes into successive stages of deeper and deeper sleep where your brain isn't doing as much, uh, or at least your cerebral cortex, the thinking part of the brain isn't doing as much, but your body is doing a lot of repairing and your brain is also doing repairing. As stuff happens, uh, the deepest stage of that is called slow wave sleep. And what happens during that uh, period, among other things, is that your brain has a system that literally flushes out toxins, uh, waste products from your from your nerve cells that build up during the day, flushes flushes them out. Uh, something called the glymphatic system, uh, and that is thought to be uh, a, a way of preventing neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, like Parkinson's, things like that. This is really fascinating. Okay, this is brilliant. So. We have to have, we, we know that we have to have the deep sleep at a minimum. Do we get to the deep sleep ever by, without passing through the other? In other words, do we have to pass through one to get to the other? Uh, yeah. I mean, you go through progressively, you know, you start out in stage one sleep, which is that sort of in-betweeny stage, and then uh, stage two 
two start showing up where your brain waves uh, have patterns that are called spindles. Uh, you know, this is all very technical stuff. And then when you get down to, uh, and you really have to go through the stage three to get down to stage four. And once you've done that first round down to stage four deep slow wave sleep, then is when your body, when your mind, or sorry, your brain bounces back up to stage something that looks like stage one but with the rapid eye movement. Uh, and so, so that's when you have your first round of rapid eye movement sleep. And REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, comes on average about every 90 minutes throughout the night. So you go through this cycle about every 90 minutes, uh, and interestingly, you get more and more REM sleep towards morning. Uh, that becomes a larger and larger part of your sleep, uh, and overall it constitutes about 20% of your sleeping time. And so we're chatting with Kenneth Miller, who's a sleep expert. And so on this, uh, does that mean that you're dreaming during the REM or you're dreaming during the non-REM? Well, that's an interesting question. When REM was first discovered, uh, the estimates were that the vast majority of your dreaming uh, happened during REM. What what the scientists did was they woke people up while they were REMing and and said, did you dream? And people said, yeah, and they could remember their dreams much better during REM sleep too. Later, it turned out that proportions weren't quite that extreme, that we do also do some dreaming uh, during non-REM sleep. There's some question about whether it's the same kind of dreaming looks like during REM, maybe the dreams are more complicated. They're more narrative. Uh, During non-REM, there's an idea that they may be sort of more static and more just like imagery or thoughts. Uh, But that's not 100% nailed down. It's so fascinating. It's so it's still so mysterious, right? It's so um, yeah. yeah, sleep is unbelievable. So if I'm hearing you right, and we've proved that the brain flushes things out, let mm-hmm. me ask you this, Kenneth Miller. Have you thought about the fact that in modern life we have things like light pollution and sound pollution and what it might do to our bodies to disturb what should be the kind of sleep we need to be well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and this is really, you know, one of the things I learned in researching this book is that scientists went from looking at sleep as sort of an individual problem having to do with, you know, with our, our personal physiology and psychology to being also a societal problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, because the, the first time uh, experts noticed a rise in insomnia, in fact, the first time they used the word insomnia to refer to a chronic sleep loss was in the late 19th century, uh, you know, coincidentally, around the, right after the electric light bulb was in, introduced. Totally believe this. I totally, yeah. I really see a relationship because if I fall asleep with the television on, mm-hmm. I do not have the same quality sleep. Absolutely. And that's, that's been, you know, scientifically shown over and over again. That's what, what's going on in your room can really have an effect on the depth and the patterns of your sleep. And so the electric light bulb enabled people to live this sort of 24-hour lifestyle where factories could work around the clock. People could, could stay up partying around that's the clock. Right. You know, all, all that stuff. Uh, students could stay up, uh, you know, past midnight studying. Uh, and all that stuff through our, our, 
our patterns out of whack because over millions of years we had evolved to follow really the rhythms of sunrise and sunset. Uh, and once you stop doing that, you know, your your brain gets kind of lost. And, you know, it was discovered in the early 70s that there is actually a, a master clock in your brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus or SCN that controls all the little tiny clocks that you have in your cells. You have genetically programmed clocks in your cells and all that stuff has to stay sort of in alignment for you to remain healthy. And of course, the problem is the way we live with not only light bulbs now, but also televisions and also uh, smartphones and all that other stuff that throws, uh, can throw the alignment out of whack. Yeah, it's so interesting. We're chatting with Kenneth Miller. I'll tell you, when I lived in Manhattan, uh, and I lived in Manhattan when I, from the ages of 21 to 27, mm-hmm. and I lived on the third floor of a high-rise, and I was continually disrupted by the garbage people that would come at 5.30 in the morning, which is not my normal, my, my own rhythm would not have me up that early. And, um, and I remember being constantly irritable, you know, groggy and upset, I would, I would turn back and go to sleep. But the interruptions of the sound uh, actually affected my inner being. I couldn't wait to leave Manhattan. I, I can't live there. I can't live with noise pollution. I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I lived in, in, uh, in New York and vicinity for, for about 20 years. I know just what you're talking about. Yeah, and so it's very interesting to me to think that long-term exposure to these sensory disruptors can truly have an effect long-term on whether or not we end up with these diseases. That, to me, is a fascinating connect the dots. Yes, absolutely. You know, and then, of course, the question becomes, well, what do we do about it? Right, right. What do we do about it? I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about trying to vastly protect and nurture the nighttime hours. How do we do Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST do that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to some extent, that's a question of individual choices. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a good idea to log off of your electronic devices uh, a couple of hours before you go to bed. One theory that there's some debate about, but there's a lot of evidence for, is that our screens from computers and smartphones and things like that emit uh, light on the blue wavelength. And blue light, uh, the, the brain, you know, interprets as, oh, it's daytime. Uh, it's, in fact, it's morning. And so that throws off what they call your circadian rhythms. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking at things that have blue light uh, towards the end of the day, your, your 
the, your brain's inner clock gets confused, basically. Uh, people, they're now selling blue light filtering glasses, uh, but there's also a lot of debate over whether those actually do anything. So really the, the wisest thing to do uh, to, to be cautious is to try to sign off of those devices a couple hours before you go to, before you go to bed, uh, according to, to many experts. But you know, uh, but, but you know Kenneth yeah. Miller, that those devices are highly addictive. Of course they are. I myself am addicted to them. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and my wife keeps telling me, "Get off the, you know, <laughs> get off the social media. Come on, it's midnight, you know." But it's tough. It's really tough. And so that's you know part of this also uh, is is societal stuff because it's not that's that's one factor, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. One of the really major things that's going on, you know, I found in my research for this book, is about is with kids, uh, and particularly with adolescents. Uh, a scientist named Mary Karskadden in the uh, really in the in their 80s uh, discovered that, uh, you know, an epidemic of sleep deprivation among teenagers. Um, she discovered that teenagers, it had always been assumed that teenagers need less sleep uh, than younger kids and need, you know, don't really need more sleep than adults once you, once you get to that age. Uh, and so, you know, middle schools and high schools were, were scheduled to start earlier than elementary schools. Right. And Karskadden discovered that actually in adolescence, biologically, your brain changes. You need to go to sleep later. You just can't, for, you know, on average, well, that's interesting. You, you can't go to sleep as early as younger kids. And you also have to sleep later because you really do need more sleep than adults. That I believe. Um, that yeah. I believe. And, you know, any of us who have teenagers, which I have had, uh, you know, know that what what is it with these kids? They're just yeah. up, you know, till the wee hours, and, and then, then they, they want to sleep all day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, is is this just is it just social? Is it because they want to stay up and do homework? Do they want to stay up and party? Well, no. Karskadden discovered it's it is actually biological, and so if you're starting schools at you know, uh, the average American school starts somewhere around 8, 8, 8.30. Uh, some of them start earlier than 8 o'clock. You have perpetually sleep-deprived kids, uh, and that can lead to, you know, there's a lot of depression among teenagers now, a lot of anxiety, uh, and that is going to exacerbate that, undermine their grades. It's all sorts of stuff. So that's one of the things that society can do, and and, uh, and Karskadden actually sort of launched this movement is to start school later for for uh, adolescents from middle and high schoolers. It's definitely taken off in Fairfield County. A lot of schedules have been adjusted where we are. Yeah. 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 And that's very, you know, it's complicated. It, it's not an easy thing to accomplish because there's uh, sports schedules. Oh, yeah. And, you know, all that other stuff. And, and parents have their own schedules getting out of the house in the morning. Uh, but there have been places uh, across the country that have done it and quite successfully. Minneapolis was, was the first or a, a, a smaller system called Edina in Minnesota and then Minneapolis. But, you know, California uh, just uh, just made it a law that, that uh, schools can't start before 830 for, for uh, high school kids. Really? Uh, and yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure the exact time, but but basically they 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 pushed it later. They said you cannot 
uh, have these really early start times. And Florida uh, earlier this year just fall became the second state to do that. And there are school districts across the country. You know, the the, the good news is that it's changing. The bad news is that still somewhere around seventy around eighty seventy five or eighty percent of schools uh, still start before eight thirty in the United States, and that's causing a lot of suffering. We're chatting with Kenneth Miller and. Uh... His um, his book is called Mapping the Darkness: The Visionary Scientists Who Unlock the Mysteries of Sleep. Um, Kenneth, I have a I want to ask you something else. There are there are sleep, there are widely uh, used sleeping pills, uh, yeah. and there are widely used anti anxiety pills that help people go into a sleep, like Xanax or even Ambien and Ativan and all of these. And what I read about them, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that one of the dangers of these kinds of pills is that while they'll put you in a sleep, the sleep that they will put you in will not necessarily be the deep sleep that you need. And therefore, you have, in a way, an illusion of sleep, but you're not getting the benefits of a, quote, real sleep. Do you know about that? Is that true? You know, I, I do know, and there, uh, about that. There's a, there's quite a bit about that in the book, and I it's it's there's a lot of nuances in that. Okay. But the main thing is that yeah, any of those sleeping pills, you may get the deep sleep we're talking about, but you don't get the same amounts. You don't get the same amounts of slow wave. You don't get the same amounts of REM sleep. The proportions are all mixed up, um, and that and you know more or less depending on the type of of pills because. Of course, in sleeping pills, there's the benzodiazepines, which work on one system in your brain. Uh, there's the orexin uh, uh, inhibitors, which work on another. There's the Z drugs like Ambien, which, which work kind of like the benzodiazepines, but not exactly. All of those and the individual formulations have different effects on your sleep patterns, but none of them are going to give you the same kind of sleep pattern you get without them. Um, and so that's one problem is you may not have the same kind of benefits that natural sleep would give you. The other problem is that it can become uh, really habit-forming. It becomes harder and harder. Over time, you often need a, a higher dose to get the same effect, or you just don't get the effect at all. The effect wanes. Uh, they can also lead to daytime grogginess and drowsiness. They can lead, in some cases, uh, to behavioral problems, uh, you know, the Z Ambien and so forth. There's the famous stories of people driving while they're asleep or That's eating right. while they're asleep, That's having right. sex while they're asleep. You know, all kinds of weird stuff can happen, uh, not in the majority of cases, but in, a, but, but in enough cases that it <laughs> draws people's attention. And so really the best thing to do if you can't, you know, sleeping pills, if you got to use them for a night or two to get through a rough patch, that's probably okay. Uh, you know, talk to your doctor about it. But they tend to be overused. They tend to be used for for longer than they're designed to be used for. And so, for long term insomnia, there's better ways to approach that. It's very interesting. We're chatting with Kenneth Miller, mapping the darkness. Your book is actually focused on the people who started to study sleep. And I know there's a Nathaniel Kleitman. You say he's a refugee from Tsarist Russia who defied poverty, anti-Semitism, and ridicule to found the modern field of sleep science. And he apparently launched the world's first dedicated sleep lab at the University of Chicago. He wanted to study sleep, Nathaniel Kleitman. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Kleitman 
you know, Kleitman was born in uh, a city in, in what's now Moldova, but was then Russia, in the Russian Empire called Kishinev. Uh, and Kishinev became famous around the world in 1903 for having the worst pogrom uh, up to date in the history of Russia. Uh, and it was really an international scandal. Kleitman and his family survived that. They, they survived a second pogrom in 1905. Uh, and so he knew from an early age he had to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he was uh, a very smart kid. He was very precocious. It was clear that he, he was going to go someplace. He first left Russia on the day that World War I broke out uh, for, for Lebanon, for, for the uh, American University in Beirut, where he was going to study medicine. And he studied medicine for a few months there. He was left on a, fa- a false passport. He's got a great adventure story because in those days, a draft-age Jewish male was not allowed legally to leave uh, Russia, so he had to get a fake passport, went to, to Beirut, studied for a few months, and then was taken prisoner of war when Lebanon decided with, with the Germans, uh, escaped from Lebanon on a, a steamship heading to, uh, to New York City, actually, actually to Greece, and then from Greece to Ellis Island. Amazing origin wow. story. Uh, landed on the Lower East Side for about a year and then got himself back into college uh, and through a Ph.D. program. <laughs> and, and within, you know, 10 years uh, of, of landing, uh, had basically founded a new branch of, of, uh, of biological medicine. Amazing guy. Amazing. I love these stories. They're so incredible. Yeah. It's incredible how if you are able to come to a system that welcomes you for your talent – that you can thrive if you have the talent. Isn't it remarkable, really? It, it is remarkable. And, and it, you know, it's also his problem. So didn't stop there because in the 1920s in the United States, anti-Semitism was really rampant uh, and that included in colleges and universities. So there were quotas on Jewish, Jewish students and so forth. And one of the reasons that Kleitman uh, went into sleep science and maybe, the, maybe one of the main reasons was that Jewish scientists in those days is if you wanted to become a researcher or an academic, you had to find some place where you weren't going to be frozen out. Uh, so you basically had to do something new. That was, you know, the thing. And Clayton was like, what can I do that not a lot of people are doing? And he looked around. He said, sleep science is really interesting. There's hardly anybody doing it at all, and nobody's doing it full time. I'm going to be the first one to do it full time. And so, you know, his, he certainly was able to find opportunities, but he had to find the right opportunities at the time uh, that somebody like him could, could thrive with. Uh, and we, so we sort of owe modern sleep science to that uh, very, very tough part of history. Yeah, emerging from adversity. Kenneth Miller, thank you so much for coming on the show. Learned a lot today. The book is Mapping the Darkness, The Visionary Scientists Who Unlock the Mysteries of Sleep. Uh, I thank you for coming on. You've given me something to think about. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.